Hello and welcome to the Local Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Johnson. The Local Leaders Podcast provides a platform for successful business owners to share their stories, their experiences, their advice, and their ideas in order to help our listeners achieve more success in their business and in their lives. Get ready. Another great show is coming up. Hey, good morning. This is Jeff Johnson with the Local Leaders Podcast, and we are thrilled today to have Chef Debbie Hernandez with us on the show, and uh, she's got a wonderful restaurant and food truck business down in Florida. It's called the Crisp Crepery, and Debbie, welcome to the show, and thanks for being here. And thank you for having me. We are excited to have you today, and you've got a you've got a really unique and an awesome story, and lots of experience, and uh, done lots of different things. So our, our audience members are going to be excited to hear what you have to say, and and hopefully before it's all said and done, we can pull some of those uh, golden nuggets of knowledge out of your brain and uh, get it to our guests. Okay, good. All right. So I want to get started by just having you share your story, uh, if you would, a little bit about how you got started and how you um, how you made your way from Seattle to Florida uh, with your business. Yeah, well, actually started about 15 years ago when uh, my husband and I were working in a Christian camp up in the Sierra Mountains in California. And my husband ran the restaurant for 500 kids breakfast, lunch and dinner, and I would work with him. So that's kind of where I got my, my love of food. And then when we moved to Seattle, I went to culinary school and worked in some French restaurants for some celebrity chefs. And um, I started a little bit late in life. So after, you know, several years in the restaurant industry, I decided I really wanted to work for myself, but really couldn't afford to open a restaurant at that time. So we were lucky enough to um, buy a food truck and operate there in Seattle for many years. And uh, then at some point we had, we had a boat, we have a boat, but we were looking for a place to, uh, for my husband to retire because he's a little bit older than me. And uh, we wanted a, an affordable um, place on the water. So I, I searched for affordable um, waterfront and um, Cape Coral, Florida kept coming up time and time again. And so we came down for a visit and checked it out and fell in love with the place and decided to move here. We found a, a restaurant space that we, that we really liked and just made the, the big leap into, into the restaurant industry. And that, that is, a, you know, that, that, that's an amazing story because uh, you went, you, you trekked, as we talked about before, all the way across the country and, you know, people love Florida. So uh, uh, I'm sure the Floridians were glad you came and, and brought your restaurant. So when you got there, uh, and I guess as you were, were planning that move, did you know for sure you were going to open, you know, a restaurant in addition to your truck, or did you kind of decide that once you once you landed? No, we knew that uh, that was a, a dream of mine to have my own restaurant, and um, and like I said, the food truck was kind of like the jumping off point, right? And um, it allowed us to make enough money to uh, be able to, you know, remodel and open a restaurant and have the startup money, which is obviously a big part of starting a business is the startup money. Yep. Right. What's the biggest difference 
you find your as, as being an owner, and I, I didn't prep you for this question, but I'm just curious. You know, in running a food truck versus running a restaurant, what 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 are some of the differences that that you see as as the as the owner? Well, the food truck was awesome for many years. It's you know basically you're working uh, maybe three or four hours a day uh, for lunch service. Typically in Seattle, we we served uh, big big corporations like Amazon. Microsoft, Google, all the big tech companies. So we served hundreds of people every day. And so it was basically, you know, uh, drive to your location, serve for three hours and drive home. And you're pretty much had the rest of the day um, to yourself. But transitioning into a restaurant, obviously that's not the case anymore. Um, you spend most of your days, uh, you know, working, arriving early, prepping, working hard all day. And then, you know, first one there, first, first one there in the morning and last one there to leave in the in the end and a few extra operational costs uh, i'm assuming that go with yes the, the, the overhead is, is uh, <laughs> a, lot, a lot different that's for sure but the yeah. rewards are great too because instead of uh, you know i'm a people person so instead of just uh, seeing a person for two minutes you know you get to you know visit with them and chat and learn about them and and of course you know we we thrive on the a repeat business. And so I think that's one of the reasons why people like to come back and see us. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's that and, and the quality of the food as well. Oh yeah. Um, so did you, when you came, when you went from the truck to the, to the restaurant, did you change your menu or did you grow your menu? Yes. Um, well, a, a few different things. Uh, another difference between the food truck and the restaurant um, our restaurant is still small and still uh, it's an open kitchen uh, concept. So people can sit at the bar and watch, watch me make crepes, but it's a lot, um, a lot more, um, I want to say um, gourmet. So everything that we do is more um, taken care of. Every, every ingredient is treated with respect. And so people can see, you know, what we're doing there. But yes, we, we did add a lot more menu items. Um, we also added a breakfast menu because we're serving breakfast and lunch now instead of just lunch. Right. Um, and also um, appetizers and beer and wine. So that, that's a nice revenue generator, of course. Yeah, yeah that's, and I don't know if that's different in, in the creperie business or, or not, but it sounds like it might be unique. Well, um, we, we did want our people to, you know, be able to enjoy a glass of wine or beer or $5 mimosa, and that's a, a good selling point, especially for, for brunch. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, we can't we can't let our uh, our restaurant guests get thirsty, can we? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing uh, a little about that that part of your journey, and and now you're you're here, and are you still operating a food truck as well? Food truck is really taking a, a backseat at this time. We're not really into, um, of course, there was COVID all last year, right? But we're not into. Um, festivals or um, office complexes and things like that anymore. We're mostly using it for catering, uh, weddings, graduations, things like that. Yeah, and, and I, I neglected to mention that early on. Um, you do have a, a nice catering uh, event, an event business. If you want to share a little bit about that, that'll be great too. Oh, yes. Um, food trucks, well, especially in Seattle, I mean, they were super, super popular. They haven't really caught on uh, throughout the whole country, but um, down here in Florida, they're not that prevalent. So there is a, you know, a nostalgia, I guess you would say, and we're, um, you know, a very fun food truck. So we play, you know, 
cool disco music or whatever blues, whatever we're feeling the day. And we have a bubble machine and a lot of interaction with the guests. So it does seem to be a lot of fun for those types of events. Uh, that sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. So anyone who needs to, to cater a, an event or a party or a get together, uh, weddings, anything like that, you guys are available, it sounds like. Yep, we are. Awesome. Well, I hope that uh, that that business continues to thrive as as does the rest. Um, so I'm going to shift gears just a little bit on you, and and what I wanted to talk about next were were maybe have you share a little bit about some of the the challenges that that you run into in your day to day work life. You know, now with the restaurant, is there anything specific that jumps out that's really been a a headache for you? Well, the you know the number one problem, I guess, with most restaurants right now around the country, probably around the world as well, is, is finding employees. And, yes. you know, with the political climate as it is right now, people are being paid more money to stay at home than to work. So there's really no incentive for them to come to work. So how we've uh, handled that, basically, we have, a, we have a small restaurant with six tables inside and five tables on the patio. And so we have, we've uh, stopped serving on the patio and we only serve inside now so that me and my husband uh, can handle that with, uh, without a server and without another cook, um, but only using right now um, a, a busser and a dishwasher. So we've had to reinvent ourselves. but um, uh, fortunately for us, it is off season. So it's so hot here, people don't really want to sit outside anyways. Right. Right. So, um, but when our season kicks up again in October, hopefully we'll be fully staffed. And open that, open that patio back up at that point, exactly. hopefully. Yeah. Well, that, that definitely is, you know, has an impact on, on your, uh, you know, your ability to, to generate revenue when you have to basically shut down tables. And it's not uncommon, you know, from things I've been hearing from other owners is that, and, and they, even your experience when you go out to eat, you know, you're often waiting in line and you look inside and you say, hey, I see 10 tables wide open. But if you take the time to ask the question instead of complaining as to why you're having to wait, you, you often hear that it's because uh, they, are, they don't have the staffing, you know, to be able to properly serve you. And that's exactly true because we were trying to do both inside and outside and uh, the service was absolutely suffering. People were getting mm -hmm. angry because we couldn't get to them to get their bill or, you know, more water or, you know, we couldn't serve them the way, you know, our standards or, and most people's, you know, standards are when they go to the restaurant, they want to be attended to. So, yeah. Yep. Well, so that we'd rather have a smaller group that we can manage and still stay alive. Um, as opposed to giving bad service and getting bad reviews and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, that is, a, like I said, a common theme um, among owner operators that, uh, that they've had to reduce their, their capacity basically for seating uh, in order to maintain the consistent level of service that their customers expect. Um, well, I appreciate you sharing that. And, and I think uh, all our listen, listeners will as well. Um, I'm looking to see, has, I don't really want to get deep into the pandemic, but how did how did you guys handle that that piece of the of well, our history? Um, we did we did close down for the um, six weeks in the very beginning of it, and we were able to do some complete some remodeling that we needed to do in the back of the restaurant and things like that. And when we when we reopened, um, 
we're not really a takeout business. So we really didn't go that route with, um, you know, Grubhub and all of the delivery companies because we prefer to for our crepes to be eaten fresh. Um, but we did do the spacing and, you know, all the other requirements that were at the time. But thank God we were in Florida and we got opened up to 100% relatively quickly. Yeah. And so, um, you know, so we survived and um, now we're back to, you know, our big groups of, you know, cooking classes and chef's tables and, um, you know, different uh, things that we do. So well, we're back. Well, that's, that, that's good to hear. And, you know, Florida was ahead of the curve, um, I guess, thanks to your governor. And, yeah. um, and, and that was awesome. Made us all wish we were in Florida. Uh, I'm I know. Up, sure. <laughs> I'm, up, I'm up in North Carolina. We were a little bit behind, but uh, not nearly as far behind as maybe people in California had to had to work through. Yeah, or even Seattle. I, I would have been uh, homeless and, and broke <laughs> if I would have stayed there. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I don't even want to imagine it. <laughs> One of the things that uh, we've been talking about lately on the show with uh, and we've got some interest from from listeners and some different questions, um, you know, are really around around leadership. And right now you're working with a smaller crew. So, um, you know, it, but but it's still a relevant question when you think of, of the leadership piece. How would you describe your leadership style? How do you how do you kind of manage and, and lead the business? Well, I think that's a super important point, especially when I look back at, you know, where I was when we uh, when we first opened to where we are right now and and my husband's been a great um, he's been a great leader for me because he has over 30 years of experience in uh, restaurant management Mm -hmm. so he's more the the people training the training style has completely evolved I guess um, with respect to you know training servers or cooks or or hostesses or anything like that and you know, the important part of our business is that the, the crepery is more of an upscale crepery, not just a, like a fast food diner cafe. So we do more of a, of a sit down, full service, um, spend time uh, with people. Um, don't We don't turn and burn as the term goes. No, right. we don't try to just feed them and, and get them out so that next people can come in. So my husband has that um, diner background. So it was a little challenging to get him to look at it, the business more as, as an upscale um, fine dining uh, restaurant. So we butted heads there, but we finally came to a, you know, an understanding of what he brings to the table and what I bring to the table. So um, it's, it's now it's flowing a lot easier. Um, the training of employees is um, a lot easier because we both understand what the business requires as opposed to just kind of winging it in the beginning. Uh, I, I understand completely. And it sounds like you guys make a, make a good team. And um, how long have you been married? 20 years. <laughs> well, I think that's, that, that's amazing. And congratulations. And uh, it, it's nice to have, it's nice to have some help. Um, exactly. Well, he always, he always says that uh, I'm living the dream and he's managing the nightmare. <laughs> he's so sweet isn't he <laughs> oh he sounds good he sounds like a like a mess oh gosh well um let me ask you this have you had over the years and and i'm sure you probably have maybe you could share a little bit about about this um and, and i'm thinking about mentors you know on your journey um have you had any 
any significant mentors that, that you've worked with uh, or that have helped you along the way? And, and if you have, do you mind sharing? Absolutely. Well, you know, as I mentioned, my husband has a lot of experience. Right. Um, and so he's been my number one uh, mentor, but my number two would have to be his, uh, the last restaurant that he managed in Seattle. Um, his boss, the owner of the restaurant was a very good mentor when I was starting my food truck. So he'd tell me, you know, uh, get these things in place, you know, go step by step and, uh, you know, make a list and, you know, do one thing towards that list every single day, make sure you're making progress and, you know, whatever obstacle you, you come up against just to, you know, attack that obstacle and then just keep on going. Yeah, that sounds like great advice. And and I've, I've talked to so many different people who, you know, were, were great food people or chefs or, or what have you, but it's significantly different between, you know, actually being a chef and then opening a restaurant. There's a, um, there's so much to opening a restaurant in terms of, um, you know, finding your building, um, you know, getting it ready. You've got to have commercial everything. Um, you know, there's, there's codes and local, um, local issues that you have to deal with in terms of permits and licenses. Um, were, were you overwhelmed with all that when you got involved or were you kind of prepared? Well, having dealt with um, licenses in um, Seattle, I knew of those ones. But when I came down to Florida, there was so much, so many more licenses um, that you'd have to get, especially for like liquor license or outdoor dining. Now you have to have a permit for um, to have dogs in your outdoor dining. So it was always one thing after another after another. And, you know, that's just that's just the hoops that you have to you have to jump through. I mean, you just can't say, I'm not going to deal with it. You have to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not something that's going to go away. And if you want to be successful, you need to have uh, all your licenses and insurance and all your paperwork clean. Yeah. And for our listeners who are, are maybe just getting started or thinking about getting started uh, with, with their own project or venture, um, having a mentor and somebody that's in the business, especially locally, can be just an unbelievable amount of help uh, in terms of helping you understand what the requirements are. Um, and it, it sounds like with your husband's previous boss that, that you guys had that available and, um, and it really paid off for you. Yes, it did. Yeah. Well, let me, let me ask you a couple of questions about, um, about the business itself or managing the business. And, and in this section of the show, we, we often dig into, all kinds of different operational issues and challenges and obstacles, but I, but I specifically am, am interested lately in learning how people are measuring their success, um, you know, in the, in the, the restaurant. Did, let me ask you this first. Did you, did you have any specific set goals when you opened up the restaurant that you really wanted to achieve, whether it be sales or, or whatever? Was there anything that was, that was really, significant to you from a goal standpoint? Yeah, for me, my husband might say something else, but for me, um, it was um, the way that we treat our customers. I, I, I knew by giving them the, you know, the beautiful environment with nice music and beautiful food and beautiful service. And um, I knew that that would bring people back. And so that was my <clears throat> 
you know, my number one goal. I wanted to, you know, create a, a unique, fun experience more over than anything. I wanted it to be a complete package. Right. Um, of course, my husband is a numbers man. So yeah, as, you know, as you were saying, as you were saying <laughs> earlier, he wants to, he, so he wanted to get say, a man and get him out. <laughs> well, he, he understands my vision now. And I think that um, each year as, as we look at the numbers, as the percentages go up year by year, mm-hmm. um, you know, we can be assured that, you know, our, our measure of success is there because we don't do a lot of, you know, advertising in the newspaper or this. It's more of a word of mouth um, thing. And one person tells another and brings a friend or brings a group of friends. And down here they have um, lots of groups. You know, they have a book club or red hat ladies club or, yep. you know, they just have millions of clubs and all the ladies just love to come to Chris Crapery. So um, it's a, a nice, fun um uh, you might call it a girly atmosphere, but you know the husbands are being dragged there too, kicking and screaming sometimes, yeah. and then they they end up loving it. So <laughs> we we husbands are like that. You're you're right. Well, a lot of men don't really understand what a crepe is, so um, that it can be you know savory and fulfilling and delicious. They think you know a, a lot do I should say uh, yeah. think it's just a sweet you know dessert. So it's so much more than that. Yeah. Well, and and. You would be, you know, Chris Crapery would be a great place to, if you haven't had it before and haven't given it a try, get down there and go see Debbie and her husband and make sure that you guys give it a shot before you dismiss it. That's, that's all I would say. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Come, come eat and we'll prove our point. Exactly. And we have alcohol. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, that is the key to getting the men to show up, I, I would think exactly and, and i can imagine the red hat groups and, and all that my mom was a part of that um back in the day and uh i can imagine it's a it's a perfect setting um you know for that that kind of thing where they they talk or plan projects or what have you and have a glass of wine and enjoy some great food so um, yeah exactly sounds yummy so looking at looking at those you know, at your goals there, and it sounds like you, you've gotten to the point uh, with a little bit of friction between you and your husband along the way. Uh, but now, like you said, he sees your vision. So you've gotten the experience that you were hoping for, uh, for your, your customers. How about uh, other, are there any other metrics or, or things that you look at uh, when it comes to running the business? Do you, I mean, are you watching, and maybe I should ask that differently. Are you watching, what numbers are you watching to, to kind of rate your success well we typically go um on a weekly average if i need to um not counting last year but maybe the year before um to determine where we are so let's say uh 2019 to 2020's numbers are you know because of covid are a little skewed but if you go from 2019 to 2021 you can see um you know, the improvement in numbers, but also because we are in a slow season, you also have to uh, reinvent yourself. Oh, hey, we're not, you know, maybe we're having a slow week or, uh, but that's, you know, where our other activities come in, our um, our cooking classes. And um, we also were doing um, a chef's table, which is a another way for me to um, express my creativity and yet earn income 
at the same time. Yeah, that, that, um, so. that, that's that's awesome because I think I think the point there is that any business owner you've got to you've got to be agile and be able to to make things happen and if you know revenue is not where it needs to be on one part of the business then you you you've really done well in inventing other revenue generating activities as well as exposing people to to the opportunity you know to the for the restaurant um you know the the cooking classes the chef's table all that invites people in um and hopefully will help grow the the restaurant business as well so congrats on finding a way to to generate income um, thank you <laughs> it's it's tough and you may have to find more before it's over right <laughs> well actually we um we actually had plans of expanding um into the the location right next door to us uh, there was a gnc store next to us mm-hmm. that um closed during the pandemic and uh, we have plans of busting down the wall and uh, expanding to do um, a French restaurant at night on that location. So the current location would be for breakfast and lunch, and that location uh, would be for uh, fine dining French food in the evening. So uh, that's still on the table. We're just waiting. We're just waiting for the right time. I think this is just not the time yet because, uh, you know, if we go get locked down again, uh, people stop coming again. It yeah. might not be might not be a good thing. So we'll see what happens with that. Well, that that no, I, I really like that idea. Um, and and you're right though. The you know with the COVID cases kind of going back up according to what they tell us anyway. And people start to talk about masks again and all the things that are going on um, politically. It is a difficult time to make moves. And you know I think in talking with with owners across the country. Um, it, it's funny because some are, you know, still just go, you know, if, especially if they've got a model and they've got multiple locations already, they don't seem to hesitate to, to pop open a new, new, uh, new location, um, which would scare me to death, I think. Um, so it, it's just interesting. And I don't even know, there's not a question there. It's just interesting to see the different perspectives and how people kind of approach growth. Um, and maybe it's more about pocketbook size, you know, can you afford to lose? Um, and then in some cases people can, and in many cases, um, you cannot. So you've got to make that right decision. Yeah, that's right. So I'm sure you and your husband have many a talk, uh, over the dinner table. Well, assuming you get dinner, um, you know, about, about what to do and where to invest your, your money and, and all those types of things. Um, we talked about people, we've talked about, you know, setting goals and, and kind of what it is that, that you look at to determine, you know, how successful you are. Um, are there any, you know, if you were, if you were starting over today, are there any specific things you would do differently than what you've done so far? Wow. Um, I know that's a tough one. Isn't it? That is a tough one. Uh, because I think we built something very, um, very unique and it's, there's a neat uh, niche market for sure. Um, I don't think I would change too much. I, I I'm very happy with, um, you know, the location that we picked and, um, the way that we've slowly and steadily, um, you know, grew the business 
and um, and we're looking at expansion. So I think it's better uh, to come through slowly than to come out like gangbusters and then drop off and yeah. lose something along the way. So I think we did pretty good. Yeah, well, it, it sounds like it. And um, I, I'm, I'm actually, are you close to, um, where am I going? I was in Sanibel for my honeymoon last year. Um, and I, I don't suppose that's anywhere close to to you guys, is it? Sanibel it's, Island? It's been there many times. It's only like 20 minutes away. <laughs> oh, wow. So if we go back, then I can come I can come visit. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's good to know. My my geography is a little uh is a little lacking in case you, you didn't you didn't know. Um, yeah, it's right very, very close. Yeah, well, um I was just looking to see if there were or any, anything I missed, anything about your business you want to share uh, with, with our audience or with, you know, potential or current customers? Uh, well, you... um, I was, I was thinking about um, what you had said about what advice you would give to people that were just starting up. And, mm -hmm. and I remember when I was first starting, I, I wrote lists 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 and every day I'd make cross things out and I uh, and I really look at you know where we wanted to go and where we wanted to be and and like I mentioned earlier just take steps every single day just to you know just to get to where you need to get to and if that means taking out a loan or if that you know it just depends on you know what way you want to go but that's what we did and it worked out well yeah, I, uh, I've known I've known a few list list people in the past that um, yeah they live and die by that that list. Last thing they do in the, at the end of the day is to make make one for tomorrow. Um, and it 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 certainly is a is a great way to help make sure that you're covering your basis. And you know one of the things I find that uh, many restaurant owners um, struggle with is you, you're so called up they get you get so called up in the the operations day to day, you know, you've got to order food, you've got to, um, you've got to prep, you've got to, you've got to provide the the meal service, you've got to clean up, you've got to reorder, you know, it's just you got to find staff, you got to deal with any kind of uh, human resource issue, you've got, you know, so many different things on your plate that sometimes it's hard to find time to think strategically and long term about. Uh, you know, what it is that you want to do. And, and you've mentioned uh, one of the things y'all are considering doing is expanding the footprint um, to add the fine dining, French food, and the, the dinner service. Are you guys considering or have you considered um, adding locations? Uh, we have. We did, um, at the end of 2019, our first year open, we mm -hmm. had looked in uh, Fort Myers, which is closer to Sanibel, where you were talking. Uh, we actually looked on Sanibel. Um, however, because there's only one of me and yeah. one of my husband, uh, we we kind of uh, put a kibosh on that just because we couldn't we couldn't see doing the day to day and uh, with without help uh, without right. the proper staffing. So um, yeah, we're we're kind of limited there. In fact, we can't even expand until we get that situation under control. So. Um, it's, it's impossible. <laughs> it's, it's really impossible just to do the day-to-day -day, um, for us at this time without, you know, proper staff, 
um, you know, to help us help us through. So that's the number one challenge it seems to be. Well, you're you're absolutely right, and and that, like I said, it's if we could figure out how to solve the staffing issue, we would, uh, you know, anybody who can solve that would be a millionaire pretty quick. Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine how much how much we would pay to to if somebody had a magic pill for uh, for staffing. There's... Well, I'll tell you uh, another situation that happened uh, not even a month ago. We had a. Um, a sous chef that had been with us for a year, young a young man, married with three kids, and uh, he was a great. He was my 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 right hand man. So basically, I could turn the keys to the restaurant over to him and trust him one hundred percent. But one of the other restaurants in the area came and offered him five dollars more an hour, and stole them away. And it was a very sad day for me. Um, because obviously, you know, we're a small business, they're a bigger business with a bigger budget, and they're, you know, needing cooks to operate their business. So I couldn't blame him for leaving. I just couldn't pay him. But that's just another, another thing that's happening here, which yeah. is sad. If, if we had more money <clears throat> that we could afford to pay him, then, you know, maybe he'd still be with us. That, that is a shame. And, and you hear that happening you know all across the country as well with with only so many people that want to work you know the ones that do want to work are working and you know if you if you need to fill a staffing position um or you, you want to grow you've got to go out and and get someone from somebody else um, yeah so then then often it does come down to the compensation and you know that's that's a whole nother a whole nother subject we've got you know uh uh, a lot of talk in the country about the disparity of wages between front front of the house and back of the house employees, you know, for example, and the, the whole discussion and um, uh, and trend, I guess, that that I, I see starting to happen are the, the restaurants that uh, don't allow tipping, you know, for their servers. Mm. Um, you know, there's there's some that are going down down that route. And of course, they're operational costs are, are going up and they're passing those costs along to customers. So we'll see if the public will accept it. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It, it, there's just a lot of, a lot of things happening and a lot of different ways people are, are approaching it. Um, and, you know, today you've got to be really, really creative in uh, when it comes to staffing in terms of being able to attract uh, and retain, as you guys painfully discovered, your better employees. If you could have paid it, paid that extra five dollars an hour, I'm sure you would have. But you got to make a business decision at some point, and and you guys did what you had to do. But it's just, it's just a shame we're there, and I hope that things will recover and we'll get into a better position in the very near future. And and the politics and all that'll get out of the way and and let us get back to work and get people wanting to work again. So we got our fingers we got our fingers crossed. Exactly, we do. And and speaking of of your advice, I, I think I need to redo my list um, because this this week I've had a number of things going on and and trying to keep up with it on my calendar. It's not always working, so I just made myself a note while we were talking. <laughs> I need to I need to pull out the list again and start and start tracking things that way. Well, if I, I found myself, I'm uh, not that old, but I, I if I don't write a list, I'm. I'm 
I forget a very important thing that I needed to do. So yeah, that's that's exactly right. And, and the number one advice is don't forget those very important things that you need to do. <laughs> exactly. When you're when you're running a business, whether that whether that be reordering and making sure you got a you got you got food to cook, um, uh, and paying your staff right. You gotta exactly. gotta pay that and your taxes. Don't forget, exactly. don't forget that. Uh, I imagine sales taxes, but um are are something that the government's interested in collecting each and every oh month. yes yeah so anyway it's funny because when we lived in washington we we'd only do our um our sales tax once a year we'd pay that but here ah. in florida you have to pay every month and we surely didn't know that when we first started oh ah, yeah so so yeah that was a that, that was a surprise right <laughs> yeah hey what's the what, what's the um is there uh what's what's the sales tax in florida is there it's six and a half six and a half is there a food tax in your area no yeah i know we've got um i'm i'm close to virginia I'm, i think i mentioned i'm in north carolina and there's a city well several cities and counties up in um in southern virginia that uh, with the the local food taxes and the state taxes and everything their their burden on tax is 12 and a half percent Oh my gosh. Well, uh, Seattle was the same way. This the state of Washington would get, I believe it was 10%. And then each city that you work in got their, you know, 0.6% or whatever it was. But so yeah, the the burden is a lot less here. I think it's attractive for more more businesses to come. Yeah, it makes a makes well, if you're not accustomed to it and, and you you know you're traveling through and you, you get your bill and you're like, what? Where'd that ten dollars come from? Oh. <laughs> Sales tax. You're like, oh Sales tax for sure. Yeah. Well, it's it's really been a um, a pleasure talking to you today, Debbie. Um, I think I've kept you a while now, about about forty minutes. So if um, you know, unless is there anything else you want to add before I I get a signed offer today? Well, I just want to encourage any any listeners just to get out there and live their dream and go for it because you're never you're never too old, never too old to start living your dream. I. I didn't start till I was 40. So, well, and, yeah. and, and I'm sure there's a number of people that have, have waited later, but, um, you know, it's funny. You see, I see that there, there's a lot of young people today that, that are jumping right into entrepreneurship. Uh, and then there's, you know, people our age uh, that, that tend to wait, you know, and go down that corporate path first and uh, working for someone else. And then we decide that it's time to, to go our own way. But uh, I think most of us know it. We, we know that we were, we're in, I, I, I was never a good employee. <laughs> oh, no. I, I, well, I was good at what I did, but I like do, to do everything my own way, you know, and I didn't want anybody telling me how to do it. Tell me what needs to be done and I'll, I'll figure it out. But um, yeah, it, it was, you know, you could create some conflict with your bosses. So I, I should have known early on that I needed to go my own, my own direction. And uh, if that's you out there to our listeners, uh, just do it. You know, as Nike says. Get, That's right. Get your ducks in order. Get your money together. Um, go talk to everybody you know if you need to, to find funds to get started and um, find a way to make it happen. Chase your dreams and and you know life is so much better that way. So uh, again, we've got or we've had Debbie Hernandez on with us today, Chef Debbie um, from Crisp Crapery. And I almost struggled with that word one more time, but I think I got it. 
He did um, it. We are so excited that you were able to join us today and, and share some of your wisdom and thoughts and, um, and experiences uh, as you've gone down the path of, of entrepreneurship and starting your own food truck and then your own restaurant. You know, I know you've had a lot of help along the way and your husband's been a big part of it. So congratulations to you guys for being able to pull that off. And we're just excited to have had you and uh, hope for our listeners that uh, you were able to, to pull some, some good golden nuggets out of there, uh, out of what we talked about today uh, to help you along the way on your journey. Uh, we wish everyone the best and thank you again, Debbie, for joining us and I uh, hope you'll come back audience and catch the next episode of Local Leaders. I'm Jeff Johnson, your host, and look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. And thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Local Leaders Podcast. You can find us at www.jeffzpodcast.com or jeffzjohnson.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Thanks again for listening and be sure to come back every Monday and Wednesday for our next episode.